Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What have I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you could be prepared for your tomorrow. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? It's your man, GB Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio. You know what this is. This is On Course with Hart Ramsey, and we love doing these kinds of sessions. We call them heart to heart because it's a full-on conversation. You guys know what it is. We're talking, of course, to the one and only Dr. Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pastor Hart, how are you, sir? I am well, GB. It's been a minute, man. It's like we... we should, like, <laughs> someone someone inboxed me and they said, are you guys done? I was like, no. With no. Some <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it is just crazy. I mean, obviously, life gets just so busy, and then there's so many things that are going on. So, um, yeah, so we apologize, guys, but rest assured, we have not gone anywhere. We are right here and uh, we have a lot of great conversation for you. So just to take you guys behind the velvet rope, we never discuss what we're going to talk about. We just go and uh, you guys get it completely unedited. And I love that. So this is a different one because I don't know what we're talking about, but Pastor Hart has something very specific he wants to talk about. So he's going to lead with the question and we'll see where we go. So check this out. <laughs> and so, so you guys will know many times uh, Gerard would text me and say, hey, you're ready to do podcast? And I was like, we'll set up a date. And then I, at the last minute, I said, Gerard, we can't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you guys should know. Listen, so I've been talking to a lot of people, um, you know, about the pandemic and leadership in the pandemic. And I think it's a topic that we're not uh zeroing in on because it's it's very very difficult um this is a new leadership space yes and uh there's a there's a couple things that i don't know how we're going to jump between them but i think there's a conversation to be had about um leaders and their teams and and this is the thing that that uh, i noticed there are a lot of there are a lot of uh members of teams who follow leaders and they 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 find a safe space to unpack they're not disgruntlement or it hasn't sometimes gotten to the point of disgruntlement or resentment yet, yeah. but concerns, mm-hmm. or sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's misunderstandings, other times it's judgment. They just judge their leader. But, yeah. the, but what I want to talk about was how as leaders, we don't create a safe space for people to say to our face what needs to be said. So invariably they end up, uh, um, unpacking their hearts to people. The danger in that, and I, I, I want to say this from the outset, the danger in that is um, sometimes the people that they unpack their hearts to are not friends of the ministry or friends of the company. Right. And so they, they will unpack their hearts and, and it sounds like dissatisfaction. It sounds like disgruntlement. It sounds like uh, uh, pain. And so the leader or the, the, the other person who they impact their heart to sees an opportunity to grab up a, a good or a potentially good um, a worker or creative or whatever. Right. And that leader feels abandoned or he feels betrayed. But rea- in reality, well, leaders create the culture where no one can tell you what's really in their hearts without mm-hmm. you feeling dishonored or, or somehow disrespected. 
So the conversation I want to have is it's a lot, Gerard. You got this is good because I want to talk about number one, um, the space that should be created. Number two, how to approach a leader, and 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 uh, and what are power the leader should give to people to be able to approach them and just not necessarily blurt out or, or or go off on them, but to be really honest and say, this is how I'm feeling. Does right. this, this resonate with you any at all? Absolutely it does. I think this is one of those things that obviously is very necessary in the church sphere, but it's also necessary in the leadership world as well, because you're right. This is how offshoots begin. This is how the idea of cliques in groups, et cetera, and, you know, they form based on a commonality that yes. says, hey, we're upset. We don't like. And there's this sometimes true fact, other times a misnomer that right. we can't express how we feel. So let's start with this. How should a leader create a culture that says it is safe to be honest with me without repercussions? Right. So uh, this is what I think. I think in order for the leader to do it, Gerard, the honest answer is the, the leader needs to do some inside work. Yes. Because I'm going to speak from my own experience. I remember leading a team um, of, of very creative and very, very, uh, um, these people had done their work. They, they were respected in their fields. I, I happened to hire about five or six of them at one time okay. um, over a period of time. And they were a great team together. Yeah. But whenever they would say to me, you're doing something wrong. I wasn't trying to, but as a leader, I would always feel rejected. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel challenged. And so what I had to do was pull back, not, not um, make them carry the burden of my uh, immaturity. And I had to deal with it, not just with prayer. You need, yeah. I had to deal with a counselor as to why I always feel so deflated and so embarrassed when, when one of my leaders would say to me, Pastor, uh, um, this idea didn't work, wasn't a good idea, didn't whatever negative feedback they had, or if they just shared how they were feeling, something I've done that I did that made them feel a certain type of way. Right. I didn't know how to how to um, own my stuff. And mm -hmm. so what leaders tend to do is to make people own the stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you you see a culture where you hire all these creative, all these excellent and really gifted uh, people, and yeah. then we let them do their job because they can't tell us what we need to do. And, and here's a good example. So I hired, I hired a television producer back in the days when you know, all ministries had to have great television. Right. And um, her first day on the job, she said, here's what I need you to do. She says, I need you to walk into the shot. And as you turn, I want you to start to talk. And so for me, that was out of my comfort zone. And I said to her, here are my words to her. Let's let's establish this. I didn't hire you to tell me what to do. Oh. I hired you to produce TV. And so her response was, that's exactly what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so when she responded, I felt like, I don't know if she's going to work out because, you know, uh, I don't like that. But it was me. The problem was me. What yeah. I should have done was said to her, well, this is uncomfortable for me, so please work with me because I, I have this, um, I'm awkward. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, what was going on in my, my head at the time. Sure, sure. So what a leader has to do in order to create a space where his people or her people could talk to them is, is that you have to deal with their own inside stuff. Yes. And, and it's and it's sometimes I think that depending on the level of of, of the staff, if if, it, if it's your inner inner circle, I believe you have to tell them. You have to be vulnerable enough to tell them. You know, I'm working on this rejection complex. Mm -hmm. So please, y'all. Work with me if I, if you say something to me and I seem a little uh, 
off put or a little taken aback. It's not you. Nine times out of 10, it's me trying to process it. So I'm gonna need some time. And you tell your people how you process things. Yes. Because the, 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 um, the misunderstanding about leadership is that, is that leadership is perfect and we're not. Matter of fact, most of us would not, not have chosen leadership, um, but it, is the, it was the next step in the evolution of what God called us to do. Right. Whether, as you say, in church or in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. So I think a leader, he needs to pull his team in and uh, he or she needs to begin to lay the groundwork. This is how we're going to operate. Here's what I expect of you. If you have something to say, if I make you feel a certain way, if I'm off, if I'm wrong, please raise your hand and say it. Yes. And well, yes. you know, they, were, they may say, well, in, in the past, my leadership couldn't handle it. And, and I'll say to them, because listen, I'll say to them, well, your leadership, not being able to handle criticism or critique or a pushback is not unique to them. It's, it's mm -hmm. something that we all deal with on certain levels. Um, I think the leader has to, in his mind, before he makes a hire, before he invites someone to serve with him, is to tell himself, I need this person to do blank, and I will allow them to be the expert at blank, and they right. will have to tell me and develop a listening culture. That is so good. And I mean, gosh, if you guys haven't already grabbed some people and brought them in for this or shared this or whatever, you need to do this because I think this is an incredibly healthy conversation that is long overdue. And I think to your point, the pandemic has made this an important conversation because people are coming back with a new perspective. You know, listen, if you've survived COVID or its effects, now you want to make sure that the things that you do are valued and that you're being heard. Um, and so this is interesting because you're right. And, and this applies not just to leaders of corporations or churches, but even in your home, mm -hmm. you know, when your spouse, because I can, I can speak for me, you're exactly right. When we hear things that aren't favorable to us, we immediately internalize them and we interpret it as you don't like me. Mm -hmm. And it's not you don't like me, it's you don't like what I did or whatever I tried to your point didn't work. Doesn't yeah. mean that I don't work. It just means the idea doesn't work. So I think there are a couple of parts. Number one, you're right. The leader has to be able to uh, figure out how to process. And in most cases, especially if you're talking about church, there's this unique hierarchy that the pastor is the person who preaches the best when really the pastor is supposed to be the person who leads the best. But that's another conversation for another. That's for good. Another. That's good. <laughs> it's good. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. So what ends up happening is you have great preachers and think about it. Preacher, preaching is the one time in church where you don't get to ask questions, right? You're only expected to give an amen or respond in the affirmative. Yes. So if you're only used to getting that type of feedback, if somebody says, hey, by the way, you know, when you said X, Y, Z, that wasn't actually in the scripture. Right. Now it's like there's a challenge to authority, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so there's a lot of places to go. We want to spend time with the leader and we're going to come back to that. I want to ask this because there are people who now are being asked to give this feedback. How does a person give a feed, give feedback to a leader in a way that is deemed acceptable and honorable? Because I think sometimes that term can be subjective. 
Well, that's a good question. And I'm going to tell you what I think. I think that when going in the door or even in a situation where, because most of the people watching this today are already in a situation right. where, where they're experiencing this. The fact that we have their attention is because they're looking for answers to this particular topic. Absolutely. Now, so so um, leaders um, inadvertently many times demand on healthy loyalty. On healthy loyalty, you can give, park there. Oof, that's yeah, good. Let, let, uh, give you an example. So I was on a, um, a, a, a staff call not long ago, and um, um, my executive, uh, not my executive administrator, she actually runs my my uh, my ministry life. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a conversation being had, and in the conversation, uh, I made a point that she disagreed with, and okay. so the rest of the team were basically on board with the point that was made. And I expected her for some reason to back my play. Hmm. And she didn't. And so okay. after I was, I felt a certain kind of way. Yeah. And so um, I, I talked, we talked about it. And, and in my prayer about it, I realized that what I was doing was, and this is called grooming. Ooh. Just like a, like a predator grooming. Uh, uh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I started to, it was inadvertently without thinking about it, um, start because of my ego trying to, I was beginning to try to groom her to agree with me, even though she did not think what I was saying was right. Wow. That's the most, what, what a leader does when he act, when he demands on healthy loyalty is that he creates this echo chamber, mm. a, a room of yes, people, um, people who only sing their praises and sing his praises or her praises and bow down to it. And what it does, it leaves you in a position that when you need honest feedback, you don't have it. Right. Rob the people of the, of the ability to think. So I think it, I think we need to start the conversation with this. I believe that every person that's in, a, especially in the inner circle initially should, should approach the leader and say, listen, um, and if you think that your leader is demanding on healthy uh, loyalty from you, then, then, Ask the leader to define loyalty because every leader has a different definition of loyalty. Correct. What would you, here's a good question to ask your leader. What would you consider a disloyal act? Hmm. And the, the leader will say, well, in relation to what? And then you give them different scenarios. Like for example, when we're in the meeting, if, if, you, if, if someone says something and, uh, and um, I agree with them, but you disagree, what, what will you do? What do you expect of me? Right. In that, that the answer to that question, Gerard, is going to reveal to this person the leader's emotional intelligence, the leader's uh, emotional maturity, because the bottom line is because you're good at what you do does not mean that you're emotionally mature. Correct. You could be a mental giant and an emotional midget or emotional yes. dwarf. Yes. Or a little person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> So, so, um, yeah, I think that the conversation, that conversation needs to be started. And for the people, I, I, I'm going to tell you how you know that you don't consider, um, you don't consider your leaders, uh, your leader's face a safe place. I say your leader's face because most of us, um, and I did it when I was, when I was uh, working for other leaders, is that I would literally go behind their back and talk to the people who I thought agreed with me. I watch their mm. body language in the meeting, whatever. And I go to them and say, what do you think about it? And we have this conversation. And before long, you don't started a potentially destructive group within the group. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and I think 
cultures in churches and corporations are destroyed and, and splinters and splits and, and divisions happen because, and it begins with the leader not being, not being mature enough to have his people say, Pastor, I don't agree. Now, right. I'm going to say something too. Um, uh, here's why I think that we should consider um, how we give advice in this. Is, and if, it's for this reason. I've counseled many people who came to me um, because their pastor or their, their boss said blank. Okay. Right. And, and in some cases, I would say, yeah, you need to go back to your leader and have this conversation because, and I give them reasons and I give them bullet points to have talking points when they go before the leader. Other times, I don't send them to the leader. Because the problem is not with the leader. The problem is with them. I, I'll say you're seeing wrong. You're mm -hmm. seeing this wholly incorrectly. And, but, but the fact that they're talking to me, they're coming to me for counsel, to, if they went to their leader, mm. the leader, and, and if the leader had some kind of policy where the person could come and say, hey, I, I don't understand what you mean by this. Right. It would have given the leader an opportunity to kind of share their hearts and cast vision or, or to even give great, a great explanation. Mm -hmm. So I think it begins with the relationship between the leader and the people who follow. Yes. Makes sense? Makes perfect sense. Perfect so, sense. So to your question, Gerard, I think that um, both the leader and the, the people who serve with that leader are, are responsible for the health of that culture. Yes. It, because because if you, if you to the place where where I have to go behind my leaders back to talk to other, especially if you're going to I I cannot count the amount of people who call me or text me or inbox me mm -hmm. talking about their leader. Wow. And my thing is, once you go to them, oh, because if I go to them, it's going to be disrespect. If you go to them and say to them what you just said to me, that is, there's no way that's disrespectful. You right. don't know my. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, this is necessary. Yeah. More of our heart-to-heart -heart conversation is on the way. Stay tuned. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Why, yeah. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you can hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God, Pastor Hart Ramsey. To receive this daily encouragement, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Again, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Uplift. 
Stay connected with Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hart Ramsey. Let's go back into today's Heart to Heart conversation featuring Pastor Hart Ramsey. This, there's so much going through my brain because I remember working at a spot in corporate America several years ago where they put us through varying kinds of training to be able to give and receive feedback, the kinds of training that would help us to work well with teams to understand uh, how other people are working. And one of the interesting things that I found is that kind of training, you know, empathy, listening, et cetera, was something I could use in everyday life. And it's stuff that I still use now. Um, But one of the things, and I know you see this, is a lot of churches, boy, we're going to get in trouble for this. It's going to be fun. (laughs) A lot of churches don't believe in training of any kind, right? And if they do believe in training, they want it to all be spiritual training. Right. But the bulk of what happens in church happens kind of behind the velvet rope. Right. It's not what they see on the platform. It is. It's the decisions that are made by the staff throughout the week where there's not a whole bunch of preaching and prophesying. Right. There are real factual decisions and relationships that have to happen. So here's my question to you. Should there be some sort of mandatory training? for pastors and their staffs when it comes to relating to each other? That is good. And I think the answer is yes. And here's here's why. But I'll say this, first of all, there are churches who have the training. The yes. Flaw, the flaw in the training is that in, in nine out of 10, 10 cases, the pastor requires a staff to go to it, but the pastor is absent. Right. So the leader, the and not just the pastor, sometimes the executive pastor, the, the main leaders who are the who are, who are causing the problem because because there's an issue. And I say causing the problem because people um people refuse to expose themselves where they don't feel safe. Correct. And and if we don't have a, a, a if our meetings or our um our um creative sessions don't feel safe to people. They're not going to say what's on their hearts. Right. They're That's not. Right. They're not going to put themselves out there. And so, what you have now, they'll share. They share what's in their heart in a safe space. Or, or there's another kind of person that will build up the resentment, and then they get in a position where it comes out like a bullet from a, a, a gun, mm-hmm. and now it's disrespect. Right. Because the leader doesn't hear what was said. They're just caught up in how it was said. Correct. You see what I'm saying? So yes, there has to be. I think there should be training on issues um, like listening, our uh, active listening skills. Mm-hmm. I think there should be boundary, like like there should be training on boundaries. For example, um, I think a leader should get permission from from his staff or her staff to reach out to them after a certain hour. Correct. That's boundary training. Now, sometimes emergent is with church. The pastor is working twenty four seven, and sometimes he needs people to be working with him. But that that should not be a, a foregone conclusion. It should be a conversation that we have at the beginning, at some point. Um, hey, I got something going. On. Can I reach out? Because if that doesn't happen, then what starts to happen is you have people who are who are being forced into a, a level of servitude that mm-hmm. they did not sign on for. Right. 
Um, and and, and I, Gerard, I'm going to say this. I'm going to tell you what I see a problem. Mm-hmm. Most people who join like a, a church staff or a corporate staff for that matter, stop growing personally. Correct. Be, because the target is let's help the people grow. But then the, the, this, this group, this card, this cadre of leaders, of, of, of trainers, of, of, of ministers, of elders, whatever we call them, they don't receive the Now they get, they get the benefit of proximity. Right. So, if, so um, they're not taught. It has to be caught. But if right. they don't know how to use proximity to catch what they need, then they're overlooked. And you see, and then now they they're drained. They're dwindling. They're dying. Um, they they, they feel like um they they they're draining. I mean, they're, yeah. they're they're drying up. That's the word. Mm-hmm. They're drying up, and then they feel like this ministry is killing me. But it's not the ministry that's killing them. It's the lack of understanding or the lack of training on how to how to lead together. Mm training and, yeah. and uh, one thing i love about on uh, at ncc and at all nations we um there is abundance of training but still i think that uh, um in my observation of all things church there is uh this problem of um what people know and Gerard, check mm-hmm. this out yeah now knowledge is power yes that's that's the word knowledge is power technically it's the the correct statement should be influences power Mm. But we say knowledge is power. Yeah. So what we try to do is um, protect or, or protect the knowledge that we have from the people who need it, thinking that if they don't have it, they have to look to us for it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that way, um, we don't time out of our, of our position or, or there'll never be uh, a situation where they don't need me, which is right. totally against the, the mandate that we've been given. Right. 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 And so, and so, yes, I think there has to be, there has to be this training on how to, how to uh, uh, cooperate, how to function together. What about this? How to honor one another's giftings? Yes. Um, because and this thing about, if you're not good at everything, I, I know you're anointed. I know you're wonderful. Uh, this one leader told me one time, I have all nine gifts of the spirit. I said, that's a lie. That's a noise, a lie. I said, here's why. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit divides the gifts to us severally as He wills. That means specifically into us personally, He gives us certain gifts and He tempers the body where the body needs it. So, example, that I can't say I felt that. Right. Eyes eyes can feel, but not like a hand can. Correct. That's right. You know, if someone extends their hand for a handshake, I mean, my foot is not going to try to. Because a, a person the right man won't shake my foot anyway, and that right. I think what's going on is that we we think that because we are, we have made it to the pinnacle of leadership in our minds, that we should know everything. And what we're doing is we're, we're stunning the growth of an entire generation. Number two, we're creating adversaries within our leadership team. Number three, we're setting ourselves up for betrayal. Mm-hmm. And number four, um, the enemy now is going to attack. The vulnerability, the resentment, and and the um the pain of, of the person that's not heard. Because if, if a person does not feel heard, they're gonna go out and they're gonna do something that's irrational. Right. Yeah. Right. I am trying to be calm. <laughs> <laughs> because this is so good. And it is it's one of the conversations that's been taboo in church land, but it is so necessary because again, you're right. Excellence doesn't necessarily transfer 
right? And I, I love to tell people this. There are people who go, well, what can't you do? Oh, there's a whole lot I can't do. You know, <laughs> I just don't show you, but there's a whole lot I can't do. You know, like I remember being yeah, at a church. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I remember being at a church where, uh, you know, their idea of serving, you know, was, all right, well, we're going to all come out and we're going to paint the walls today. Well, I don't paint very well. I'll be the first to tell you. And they were like, no, you can. And so I did. I did my level best. And, you know, the baseboard was all messed up. But but I was trying to do what I could do to serve, you know. But you're right. The, the gifts that people have have to be honored. And there has to be enough humility and security That's to it. be able to say, hey, you know what? I know my gift is whatever. Right. But you're here because this is your gift. And when we're rolling here, I'm going to submit to your wisdom. Yeah. So this this is it's it's intriguing because it seems as though both the leader and the staff or the church members or whoever all need training on how to deal with people. But let's also go back to this issue of how when we hear our idea has been not accepted, rejected, right? Because this goes for a lot of folks, creatives, et cetera. We internalize that as we're not accepted or mm. we've been rejected. How do we address that? Because to your point, there are a lot of skeletons right now uh, that are running around because people were in an unhealthy space and because their idea got rejected, they went ham, right? So how do we how do we address the people who feel like the uh, rejection? I hate using that word of an idea translates to the rejection of them. How do we how do we address that? So that, that's a great question, and and um, we have to slip over now into some psychology. Yes. So I remember um um I had a psychologist to. Uh, one of the campuses and uh, we were having this conversation about arrested development. Mm. When does a person stop growing mentally, emotionally? Mm. We talked about physically, spiritually, and, and we, the, for the most part, we knew, of course, you know, uh, you, you'll hit, you'll hit a growth spurt physically at a certain point yeah. or mentally you keep on, you keep reading, you keep learning, keep de developing, learn new things that can go on till you die. Right. Um, spiritually, as long as you, you, you're in relationship with the Lord, you know, you're open, but emotionally, Gerard, mm. a person stops growing in the place of trauma. Hmm. So, uh, so if a person is is traumatized in the area of rejection or abandonment, yeah. whatever age they were when they didn't process the trauma, maybe they didn't have the the bandwidth to process it at that time, they stopped growing emotionally in that area. Then, wow. So a person could be forty years old and was rejected repeatedly by their parents at 11, 12 years old, and that is the level. The their, their, their emotional response to rejection will not be that of a 40-year-old. It will be that of an 11-year-old. Mm. And the problem now, here's the problem about how we mask that level of arrested development. We, we, we think that because we're growing physically, we're growing spiritually, we're growing mentally, 
that that covers us emotionally and it doesn't. And so there are a lot of leaders who, who flesh out and freak out and, and act like children when challenged in certain areas because that's exactly what they are in that area. It does not negate their anointing. It does not negate their knowledge, their, 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 uh, their, um, their studies. Uh, it, does not, it does not negate um, the, the fact that they're helping a lot of people, but the fact that they respond a certain way and all of us in some area, because if, before you know this, you don't know to go check. Right, right. And so um, there, there's certain things that it gets you get stuck in a certain area. So I think for a leader, um, you use the word secure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think that's this is a reason why leaders need to sit down. And we, we say with a therapist, and I don't think it's necessarily always a therapist, I, but I think a leader needs to sit down with their leader mm. or or therapist or and a therapist yeah. and and talk about areas. And I don't think they should talk about the Bible. Right. I think what it should talk about is questions should be asked about how you get along with your staff, how you get along with your wife. Um, yeah. What's the problem? What do you think is from? And and the, the leader's leader is not just there to endorse them and to back their play. Right. Also, they're not there to throw them away or discard them when they fail. The leader's leader is there to make sure that the leader, listen to this term, is well adjusted for leadership. I love and that. And a part of a part of, of, of being well adjusted for leadership, Gerard, is I got to be emotionally whole. I can't, I cannot, at, at least on the way to emotional healing, I cannot be uh, emotionally um, sick and diseased and expect to, to lead people to wholeness. It just doesn't happen. And I'm going to tell you what I've learned. I've learned that my emotional immaturity can offset the strength and power of my ministry. Absolutely. It's, it's true. I mean, and, and I'm going to share something with you. Uh, there was a, some time ago, there was a church. I, I studied churches. I studied church history. And um, there was a church, uh, a very thriving church, that hired a very talented um, youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And he, he, man, his youth group was blowing up. Years later, they found out that he had dated several of the young girls. Literally. Ooh. And the, the, it didn't come out till these young girls became adults. So he started dating them 13, 14, when they came 20, 21, then they start, they realize, hey, that was wrong. And it was, it was numerous. So someone said, well, he was a fraud. No, I believe that, that here's the thing about rejection. I believe that when he was in high school or middle school, he was rejected, but he never grew past that point. Right. So it was a big deal in his mind to, to be accepted by girls that age. And to me, that needs, that needs counseling. Yes. That it's not, a, I don't think it needs medicine. I think it needs counseling and, and it needs, uh, there are times when you have to sit on the bench until stuff like that is dealt with. You can't be in the game. There was a question I was going to ask and you may have answered it, but I'm going to ask it very specifically because it addresses that and a few other things. Should emotionally unhealthy leaders still be in their role? Yeah. So here's my thing. I believe that an emotionally unhealthy leader cannot cannot have total control of the of the assignment. For example, if I have a leader that um, that goes off on people, mm-hmm. but but I hire them to do, let's say, operations or whatever, then 
they can do operations, every part of the, the ministry, the, uh, the, the call of operation, except for dealing with people. Right. So they, they, put, they, they can do the technical stuff. They could do the, or, or, or they could work with admin to get things put together. But they can't. If you, if you're going, if there's always a body count, a string of a stream of body bags every time you're assigned to something, yeah. then you're not emotionally healthy, and no, you cannot do the job. And and, we, and I'm saying this, I'm I'm a grace person. I'm not for throwing people away, right. but I believe that there's some situations where where people have to be let go. Hmm. It cannot. Here's why. Because, man, I'm telling you, man, we will never make a, per, a basketball player play on a broken ankle. Right. So good. Oh, my so, gosh. So so it's, it's the same thing uh, for, for people working with people, for people in ministry, for people who are working with teams. Your emotional, the emotional leg of your development is so important because it helps you process things. Forgiveness. Is a, this is the thing. Forgiveness. Patient, then they happen in the realm of the emotions. Look right. at the look, look at the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Right. In Galatians five, there's not one of them that does not have an emotional component. Wow, wow. So it means, watch this now. If I am emotionally unstable, emotionally unhealthy, even my spiritual growth, the spiritual growth I claim to have, is it's not really real. Because here's the thing: uh, because I can teach well, and because I, my, my, I'm anointed, the Spirit of God comes upon me, does not mean that I am growing as a person. Get wow. this: the Spirit of God in me is for me. Wow. And, and, and if, the, if the spirit of God in me is not being allowed to deal with my, if he's not being allowed to deal with my, with my emotional health, then I am not growing. Now, it doesn't change the spirit of God on me because the spirit of God on me is for you. And so I could come and preach the world down. I could teach the greatest revelation. I could lay hands on the sick that could be whole. Uh, and that is why when you go and look at the history of the church, people like A.A. Allen and Amy Simple McPherson, they were, they were uh, raising, uh, uh, raising the people out of wheelchair and doing all this stuff, but they, but they were having major moral failures. One was a drunk, one could, was sleeping around. And, and it's because, it wasn't because they were wicked people. It was that the emotional component was damaged and they did not allow the Holy Spirit to fix them. Yeah. <laughs> now, let, let me tell you what, as you were saying that, what literally flashed in my head is, you know, I think it was about 10 years ago when the popular term for a leader who, um, you know, had made some mistakes or errors, the popular term was they had a moral failure. Yes. And that translated to, OK, they were going to lose their position. They were going to be sat down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you just really unlocked something for me, because could it be that in some cases people have been punished for emotional unhealthiness instead of being allowed to get the assistance that they need? And so they end up going away, being banished, being ostracized, dealing now with the shame of losing their position, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the while, the actual issue has never been addressed. Right, right. Being punished, you're being punished for emotional immaturity. Right, yeah. which again is rarely diagnosed in churches because there's, you know, nobody wants to talk about that. Well, let me talk about, let me say this, and, I, and this is going to really get some attention. <laughs> the, the church created this war with with the the uh, scientific community, with with the um the mental health community. Yes, and the church, the church wanted to call everything a demon. Right. 
So, so it, it, was, it was easier for them to say this person has a demon than to say this person has, is suffering from arrested development. Now, I'm going to tell you what's interesting, what's crazy about this is um, when people do, when, when people in the church did have demons, the church did not deal with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got a demon, you got a demon. There was a book called Pigs in the Parlor. Hmm. I, I banned that that book from every church I, I pastor. Every wow. it, it, It's not allowed in my house. Wow. If you read Pigs in the Parlor, you think you have demons, your children have demons. So that this is one of those books. But the church started this fake war. The, the, the mental health community did not even want it. Right. Because they, they had this uh, us against them, the others mentality. Mm-hmm. There are people who needed help yeah. to kind of find themselves emotionally, find find where they where they were in the in the development and and do the work to get well um so that they could continue the ministry. And it was easier for us to throw the person away than to get them fixed. I'm gonna say this. And I'm not calling this guy's name because I want to shame him because he's been shamed. But you remember Ted Haggard? Yes, yes. Ted Haggard was one of the most genius church planters. He he had a book called How to Make It Hard to Go to Hell from Your City. Wow. I used that book to train evangelism in my church. Wow. It was two wow. books, The Oikos Principle of Household Evangelism and Ted Haggard's book. I trained evangelism and intercession from those books. When Ted Haggard had his moral failure, right, um, I watched the documentary that HBO did on him and they traced him. And and what broke my heart was here was this genius of a man that God has blessed with strategy and structure, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what they did to him was they put him out of, out to pasture and and he they, they left him alone to they deal did. with an emotional wound that's that obviously he picked up as a youth. Right. Right. And in, was one scene in the documentary where he's laying in the bed, there's a camera above him, and 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 he's going from house to house selling insurance, and he's because he, he can't he can't work in ministry anymore, and that's all he knew how to do. So he's selling insurance. And he, he got in the bed and I was watching him say, thing, man, he's a strong guy. I was on a plane headed to LA, going headed to San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I was watching this. It was a red eye. Yeah. And he said, he looked in the camera, he said, Today was a hard day. I, I didn't sell any insurance. And he said, I did it to myself and he started to cry. And Gerard, wow. I was sitting in the plane. I broke down and started. People look at me, they wonder what's going on. I, it, it broke my heart. It, it breaks yeah. my heart right now. I get emotional thinking about it yeah. because there's people around us, people in leadership, people serving leaders who mm-hmm. have emotional, it's not just emotional pain, it's emotional, uh, uh, it's arrested development where, where they're not emotionally whole. So even when a leader says to a person, I don't like that, the person hears, I don't like you. Right. right. When when they, well, we could do a better job than that. Translation, um, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, um we um we we like they'll say we were looking for a clip of you um doing something, but you there are no clips of you doing blank and the, it's internalized as they don't like me. As the, right. you're saying, right. so what has to happen, and I, I conclude this, my, my commentary on this, is I really believe that the church needs to focus on the whole person. Paul said, and I pray, may your whole spirit and soul and body be, be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that God, I pray that God sanctify you wholly, completely. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I pray your whole spirit. So the whole um, sanctification has to do the soul part, the soulish part of sanctification, how I think. Yes. Um, how, I, how I feel, 
how mm-hmm. I process emotionally, yeah. right? Um, all of these things go into making who making us who we are. And until the leaders are willing to have that conversation with the therapist or with their leader, mm-hmm. they're going to ruin people who have proximity to them to help them do ministry. Listen, guys, I already feel like we're going to do a part two of this conversation because there's so much more to get to. But we're going to wrap it up here. And uh, by all means, you guys have to share this. Uh, Whether you're listening to us, make sure you're subscribed. If you're watching us, share this all over the place because this is that conversation. It's unbelievable and it's necessary. You may need to watch it over again. Take notes, uh, share it with your leaders as well. And let's create a larger dialogue because this is such a necessary conversation. So here's what I want you guys to do. Make sure you're following Pastor Hart, of course, at Hart Ramsey across all social spaces. Uh, Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast where you can find it wherever podcasts are. And join us next time as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.